officially recording, all of the other trouble and nonsense will not have to be addressed. Uh, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, yeah. So what's up, dude? Well, it's happening. How's uh, Honduras treating you so far? It's It's been great, dude. It's the rainy season down here. Uh, I'm on the island of Roatan, uh, which is just off the northern coast of Honduras. So I'm like in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, and it is absolutely gorgeous here. I mean, I, I, I can't, I can barely put it into words i've seen mangroves like they have like mangroves here um i i know that they're i mean maybe they're real but uh i believe that they've been like transplanted uh because you can see them along the docks that people have kind of set up these like mangroves to kind of border the docks so people can't just walk out onto their docks here uh i'll, I'll give you a little video tour later johnny and to Sounds all the like podcast paradise. listeners yeah all the listeners are net they're never going to see it except through instagram uh if that um yeah it's it's the rainy season but it's it's perfect it's perfect uh there there's a hurricane passing just south of us (laughs) oh (laughs) Um, good lord yeah so but we've got sun and it's nice and like it hit like the mainland of south america so we are not getting affected by it and i guess it's not as strong of a hurricane uh as uh as was ian so the folks in Nicaragua are not getting it as bad as some of the folks in Florida, which, you know, good. Um, yeah, it's, it's been nice. It's been nice. How's, how's the jurors treating you? Oh, it's uh, uh, complicated. I'm right now in the process of juggling a couple different wild things on the home front, still making the world's most gradual segue out of having COVID and... Uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, yeah. You know, keeping keeping myself busy. Yeah, I can I can I can still hear a little bit of the congestion. Um, yeah, it's still a little funk. Still a little funk yeah. in the in the mix. Yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. So uh, funny that we find ourselves talking, uh, Corey. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. Uh, I I understand you follow Formula One racing. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a fan of Formula One. Yeah, yeah. It's true. We this is true. We, Are you? We ha- Do you like? Do you like F1? Yeah, yeah. I like Zoom Zoom cars and you know <laughs> related <laughs> topics. Uh, yeah. There yeah. was there uh, was a uh, there was a, a Formula One race that just transpired. The uh, wildly. I feel like there needs to be an asterisk uh, next to that. Um, next to that. There statement. was sort. There was. Yeah. Yeah, a, a portion of a race that transpired mm-hmm. recently, mm-hmm. the uh, Suzuka yeah. Grand Prix, and then literally, I don't know how how plugged in you are while you are visiting Honduras, but there have been some developments unfolding, like just in the last ninety minutes or so. Around oh, I have not been. Oh, this is great. Yeah, so we're. I just just to put this into into yeah, the time yeah. con, uh, context for for everyone who's listening, because you're you're going to get this fre- my fresh reaction to whatever John is about to say. It is one p.m. I guess like Central Time or Mountain Time. Uh, I don't know what 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 time zone I'm in. Um, I, I'm a couple hours behind John, but I am I am about to. Oh boy! I, considering what happened in the past forty-eight hours, hold on. Since we're talking about F one, since we're fans of F one, and uh, we should have we do a podcast? Let's just do a podcast. What should we call? Yeah. What should we call the podcast? 
Welcome to the F1 Files, folks. This is a, a podcast, as we just said, about Formula One. Um, my, my name is Corey Willis. I am an improviser, comedian, uh, writer, actor, dynamic idiot in the entertainment industry. Uh, and uh, who, who am I talking to here? This is John Lapore. I'm a creative oh, consultant right. designing the future for film, technology, and automotive. Nice. So, nice. Uh, all right. So yeah, tell me, let's drop let's this do, bomb on me. Yeah, let's just do it all in reverse. So we had we'll come back to talking about the race at Suzuka. And you're gonna have to bear with me because literally because mm-hmm. I'm having kind of a, a wild uh day over on the home front over here in, in Jersey. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not fully up to speed with everything that has been unfolding. But the FIA yeah. released uh, just an hour, hour and a half ago, their findings on the Formula One budget cap uh, being possibly Ooh. violated last season. This is potentially yeah. an enormous scandal. I think the best parallel that I've found is when people have described that exceeding the budget cap in Formula One is so much of a automatic pathway to an advantage that it should be considered uh, the same as doping is considered in any yeah. other sport. Yeah. Like which performance is to say, enhancing drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Which is to say something that should be taken unbelievably seriously and, and potentially have massive ramifications. No ramifications have been discussed as of this point. Now, the findings mm-hmm. are that uh, there were two teams suspected of making a breach, Red Bull mm-hmm. and Aston Martin. Um, Aston Martin's breach has been deemed procedural, which I think is their way of saying like, it's a very negligible breach. Yeah. Yeah. Like by a few pennies, like formula one standards. So it's probably like a few thousand dollars that they've gone over or messed up somewhere. Maybe, maybe a hundred thousand dollars, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Red Bull has been found in a minor breach of the F1 budget okay. cap, which is to say their, their rules for violation in a, uh, that, uh, would classify as minor would be $5 million or less. And it is, I believe been noted that it was a $1 million exceedance out of a mm-hmm. $120 million, some, somewhere in a $120 million budget cap. So, okay. uh, when I initially heard that, I was a little uh, so. Uh, first off, I'm just going to put my bias directly out there. I want yeah, Red yeah, Bull yeah. to be found supremely guilty of violating the budget cap. I want the guiltiness to immediately lead to a a points related penalty that yep. undoes their like retroactive yeah. retroactive yeah. for the 2021 season for last season and basically takes uh, Max Verstappen's first world championship and hands mm-hmm. it to Lewis Hamilton, which I think there's like 20 other arguments as to why that should be happening outside of cost cap breach. But if this is the way that it happens, then I'm perfectly fine with, with that. And I think this is like many others getting like, this is like the Al FBI on tax, being like, tax evasion. I'll just, yeah. We'll just get him on tax evasion, whatever. We can't get him on anything else. We know he's guilty. We know he does all this stuff, but we cannot get him. So let's get him on like his accounting. Right. So that is that that is also what I'm I'm looking at this as as a, as a supremely biased fan who Max drove a great season last year. Red Bull 
absolutely was on top of their game. But if they had assistance uh, that other teams did not have, including Mercedes, then that is absolutely a violation. And I, I agree there. Even as a non Mercedes fan, I'd like to be able to remove myself from that and just be like, if I was, if I was an, an Alpine fan, right, uh, or a, or a Williams fan, or uh, an Alpha Tauri fan, even, I would be like, hey, they cheated. Like one team cheated and they won the whole thing. There need to be ramifications for that. You can't, or else everyone else can just cheat. Like if if they can cheat, then we can all cheat. Like that's how this should work. So, but again, I am not. I am not unbiased. I'm very biased. So let's hear it, Johnny. What do we got? What 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 did, what do we got here with this minor infraction? So there's no, you know, there's been no judgment made of any penalty. Mm-hmm. It is just there all they have done is released the the findings and I think, you know, honestly, I'm personally disappointed to hear that it is effectively less than a 1% exceedance of the budget cap. Like yes. that to me doesn't sound particularly savage and from what i gather from the media at large is that um the expectation is that if it was a major exceedance over five million dollars then for sure there would be like the penalties would be so severe as to even include disqualifying them for this year's championship this year and and potentially even next year too because they've the 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 performance enhancing thing we lose that analogy a little bit only because you don't like once you stop doing steroids like your like your performance drops off but in formula one if you've got a ton of extra cash it rolls over and you get to develop your car way later than everyone else which means you get ahead the next year which means you're already ahead for not just next year but the season after that as well so not just 2023 this would put them at an advantage in 2024 too if nothing else was done so yeah yeah that's that's the severity of violating the cost cap uh is you you can really really run away with it for like four years which is coincidentally kind of when the end like engine regulations usually tend to uh expire uh so like if you have a four-year advantage you could just dominate an era of formula one and like come on um all right so johnny sorry to interrupt let's hear it i mean there's unfortunately there's not that much more to take away from from this at the moment aside from like you know the initial sort of like everybody bugging out because christian horner was pretty adamant that there was absolutely zero chance that there was any exceedance Um, like he was threatening to sue ferrari and yes for defamation and and yeah which is wild um, Red Bull Racing has released a statement almost immediately saying, we note the findings of the FIA of minor overspend breaches of the financial regulations with surprise and disappointment. Our 2021 submission was below the cost cap limit, so we need to carefully review the FIA's findings as our belief remains that the relevant costs are under the cap, the cost cap amount. Uh, despite conjecture and positioning of others, there's, of course, a process under the regulations with the FIA, which we will respectfully follow while we consider all the options available to us. So they're still waving their hands and saying, 
impossible. Where did all this money come from? Where did all, yeah, yeah. Can't be true. Uh, I'm trying to find, because I'm monitoring this via Twitter, which is, you know, blowing up on every possible (laughs) uh, angle around this. And there's, I love that there's John, John is out of the pairing of us. John is decidedly not the person who is attached to Twitter. And I am definitely the one. And I'm like, well, I haven't really logged on it. I tweeted something about uh, my plane ride. And that's the last thing I really checked Twitter. about. (laughs) That was a couple of days ago. Oh God, this is great. So (sighs) supposedly it sounds as though someone from the team, I don't know that it's Christian Horner or if it's someone else from the team has implied that the overspending was like a negligible thing and nobody should worry about it because the overspending Mm -hmm. was on catering and absenteeism. And so Twitter is awash with uh, jokes wow. about, you know, uh, yeah. Christian Horner busting out the world's most ex- expensive meals for everyone in the paddock and uh, yeah. and and whatnot. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, there's memes galore going around that are just about, you know, him, him experiencing some fantastic, you know, fine dining and whatnot, as you would, as you would expect. So. Um, there, as I understand it, there is still a chance that this minor infringement could incur, uh, it'll, it'll presumably at the very least, there will be a fine involved yeah. for the Red Bull team, which could be relatively pricey. Um, but the, you know, the, the bigger piece of the puzzle is if there is going to be a substantial, uh, points related penalty that would apply to the 2021 season, which if you're still kind of new to formula one and you just hear mm-hmm. people speaking in all out rage about the 2021 season, but don't know exactly how it all ended. Uh, the two leading teams, Mercedes and Red Bull entered the final race, 100% tied on points, a hundred percent tied on points. And so the differential by which the championship was decided was between Max Verstappen who finished in first place and Lewis Hamilton who finished in second place, his, his championship mm-hmm. rival. And that left us with a point spread between them of seven points because that is what is applied, you know, from race to race. And so if yeah, there was to be a penalty applied, that would be, you know, approximately as like severe as like an, unsafe release in the pit lane or passing, you know, another driver off the, the track, uh, or, or whatnot, which is what we saw. Yep. 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 Um, then that, that should decided this year's championship as well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, we should, we should Uh. in theory see the championship handed back to Lewis. But again, this is, this is big stuff. I think it's also like, I think you have to assume that the deliberations happening around the penalty are not happening in a vacuum, but are also very aware of the fact that it would be a truly bizarre thing that uh, yeah. 11 months later, you change the results of the previous year's championship. Not a good look for the sport, not a good look for no. the FIA, um, and and sort of a strange thing. But I think also to many fans, it would be the writing of a very bizarre end to uh, 
to the previous season. So uh, this is yeah. this is where we're at. I think this is going to continue to be a developing story, and you know, I encourage all to strap into their social media platform of choice and check out the the memes that are already so rolling wild. through. Um, yeah, like. John, we've been fans of this sport for so long, and there's been drama in the sport for a while, but it's usually drama that takes place on track or takes place quite literally within the same garage, like teammates within the same team uh, having drama between each other. And now that it has entered the not the world stage, but now that it has entered the market of the US, this is like, I, I, I mean, I know we usually save this for the end of the podcast, but like, this is one of those like, this is a guard, this is a stonk. This is like stonks at this point. We're just driving up, like needlessly driving up the attention and the drama. Damn. And like, it's going, I mean, we're, we're going to get into it when we talk about the race, but like, there's the, the FIA. F1, let's say F1, needs to get its house in order, for real. Mm -hmm. Like, yep, for real. I mean, there is so much wild stuff that happened over the past 12 months in Formula One that is just, there's, it's not a good look for long-term fans like the two of us. This is like, all right, what? the hell is going on with my sport this is not what it has ever looked like it's never felt this way before it's too there's such a huge massive microscope being placed over all of us and uh and i say all of us because as fans of the sport especially as fans of Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton, that's like, I know that we have a reputation as like Hamilton fans within the sport, right? Like for sure we do. Um, and then there's like Verstappen fans that are starting to get a reputation and it just feels like ugh, there's the microscope is already there. We don't need all this nonsense. And it, it began last year with some of the, and, and I'll, I'll, throw my hands up and say it absolutely came down to like Hamilton not really getting penalized for gaining an advantage off track earlier in the season. And then it kind of went tit mm -hmm. for tat. And then there was that uh, issue in Jeddah where he didn't give the full, like he let off the throttle in an area where it was not really giving the advantage or, or a back. Um, right. So like there was a lot of drama and then Abu Dhabi happened and it was like, Oh no, this, this is gotten, this is a raging house fire right now. And now this season, whew, wow. Uh, well, with I mean, Miami, the debacle in Miami with the fake Marina, just the, 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 the Vegas race, uh, the, the way uh, it's, Whew. We just uh, the, we just saw we just saw the 2022 wow. drivers championship decided and it was mm -hmm. decided in an exceptionally bizarre and non you know just something that mm -hmm. to me is not in the line with the tradition of any sports championship being awarded so uh, at the Suzuka Grand Prix um, Max Verstappen had a very dominant race. He was, you know, far out ahead of the whole. 27 seconds. By the end of this 28-lap race, okay, this, this I want to take, got to take your hat off to Max Verstappen here. Yeah. Uh, this dude, over the course of 28 laps 
in some of the most challenging conditions on a green track, on a track that people haven't raced in a long time in a notoriously wet difficult track to navigate that does not dry it's the degradation is very hard on tires mm -hmm. max won this race by 27 seconds and there were only 28 laps of racing like that he is like he, he like won the race by like a commercial break like that was yeah like insane it's so, so yes i mean ah, for, for sure hats yeah, hats yeah. off to verstappen for for doing it's that truly now. schumacher stuff this is yes. this is the stuff yeah. that like schumacher was doing and people if Max keeps doing this, people will get very tired of it. Uh, but right now, the novelty of it is like, whoa, this dude is at the top of his game. Like, I can say this as a Hamilton fan, too. Max at the top of his game right now feels more superior than Lewis at the top of his game. Like, yeah. like Mercedes gives Lewis a great car and it's a very easily drivable car. You saw that with George Russell getting into it last year when Lewis had his, you know, when Lewis got COVID uh, and he nearly won the race, except for a couple of like weird random punctures and technical issues. And then you see the way that like Checo, who is one of the most amazing F1 drivers and dynamic brilliant drivers they like he's got traction control in his ass like that's like the the joke mm -hmm. is that there's no traction control allowed in f1 but like checo perez has an onboard uh, traction control device and like he can't get a hold of that car and max is winning races with it by a commercial break like that is whew, that's wild that is he's just so good he's such an incredible driver um so yeah yeah uh, but all right. So, the, so the Max, way this race was decided. Y yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. So, uh, you know, it's, it's possibly confusing and puzzling. Um, we mm -hmm. have a race that is limited in terms of the number of laps that they're going to run because of mm -hmm. rain delays and, and whatnot. Um, and when you get to a certain number of laps being run, you do limit the number of points that are awarded. Yeah. And so going yeah. into this race, there was a bunch of scenarios that were, if Verstappen, you know, wins the race and has fastest lap, you know, he is going to win the championship, but because the yeah. points were going to be potentially discounted because of running a limited number of laps in the race that actually changed all those formulas and it was looking oh, okay it, it'll probably go to the following race and then on top yeah, of at that at least the following race because initially it yes. was only quarter points were going to be awarded like and that was like everyone was like oh only a quarter of the points uh, allocation will be awarded so for sure it'll be at the u.s where this championship is decided and then it went to half points and everyone was like oh half points okay well it's still you know, that's why Max was like, hey, should we pit for fastest lap? Because he was still in the mind of mm -hmm. like, I'm trying to build up points. I'm trying to yeah. like, I, I haven't won it yet, so I need to keep going. Right. And like, then just the last lap, I went back and listened to the radio rewind and just listened to every single driver who communicated with their engineer being like, is the race done? We're doing another lap. Oh, other people are still pushing. I'm going to keep pushing. And like, there was so much confusion about when the oh race my actually finished. Like, yeah. So that's that, that I wanted to be like, so why was, why was the vibe so weird in the pit lane at the end of the race? And why was like, what happened there? I was, I was literally, John, I was watching it and was like, wait, are we still race? Is the race over? Am I, what am I watching here? Uh, Cause I was like listening to Hamilton's radio 
because of his battle. And like, that was like, he had no idea that I mean, it was the over. Sky, the Sky Sports commentators who mm-hmm. are, I think, the best at presenting the sport to the, yeah. the worldwide masses that there are, um, they weren't speaking from a place of confusion. They seemed to be pretty clear about what was going on and they were completely wrong oh, yeah. about every, every aspect of it. About like so wrong. How are, how are points being delivered? Uh, no one was clearly articulating. Like you, you have that clock that runs out uh, mm-hmm. to, to denote when the end of the race will be. No one was clear to explaining to the fans that like the clock runs out, you cross the start finish t- line. And then that is the beginning of the final lap and whatnot and like yes so it was was puzzling in a bunch of different ways and then you know to make things even more complicated in literally the very final corners of the last lap yeah uh checo uh, chicane is what it's called at the yeah 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 yeah. check checo and uh leclerc are duking it out and they've been having a marvelous battle for the final, you know, I don't know, 10 laps or so. And yeah, yeah. Leclerc is is ahead of him, holding him back, doing everything he can to hold him back. And he just loses a little bit of control, goes off the track, basically cuts a corner straight across, which is mm-hmm. a position that you traditionally know that you effectively must give back. But he like almost doesn't even have the time or the space on the track to even give it back or to figure out, you know, normally it would be talking to the team, confirm, do I have to give it back or not? One of th- one of the reasons this happened was because Charles did not know that that was the end of the race. He thought that there was going to be another lap. So uh... that's why he just pinned it down the straight. And he was going, I think he was going to give the position back and then try and fight for it for the rest of the lap. But the race was over. so he. Like it just, yeah. So it was this, like, it was just such a mess. It was such a sloppy, sloppy mess to well, the end of the race. To, to uh, me, the the biggest yeah. mess of all is that they're doing the post race interviews, and everyone's assuming, okay, the championship mm-hmm. battle is going to continue until the next race in the United States. And one of the commentators, you know, basically gets it told to him via his earpiece that max is going to be the world champion who is it is it johnny herbert is that who it was uh yeah it was johnny johnny herbert um who was who was doing the post-race interviews and he interviews max (laughs) and he's like oh wow great job you know and then they go to bring in um the third place in quotes um person who's in third place and they bring in checo uh and while he's like starting the checo interview you see him like get a message in his earpiece and he's like, Oh, well actually we're going to, Oh, we've just been told we're going to bring Max back in. And Max at this point is starting to like walk away, like fully walk mm-hmm. away. Cause he just gave his interview and he's like, okay, I'm going to go, you know, do my post race thing and like start the cool down process and debrief. So he like hands the mic to Checo and walks away. Charles is like, over off completely like away from the step and repeat not even involved in it yet because i think he's processing like oh no oh wait a second wait a second are they really going to hit me with that pet like this is happening and then they call they're like oh hold on we're gonna bring max back in and like max just walks over no microphone in his hand and just like walks back over and is like huh huh checko has to like like be like hey dude take them take the microphone like they want to talk to you again uh yeah, and then 
And John, well, Johnny Herbert, Johnny Herbert. I, and I give I give Johnny Herbert uh, some crap because so as a television presenter, as a but as a as a professional broadcaster, he could have made yeah. a little more out of the moment and sort of explained, like, could have done the like, hold on, everybody, this just in because of this and because of this, we now get to say that. And instead of doing that, yeah, he literally just goes, Max, world champion. Like that is literally just he just yeah. he just says Max world champion like a like a world like a robot champion. reading a a teleprompter and like Matt and like Max is like looking yeah. at him like me <laughs> is it are you talking to me yeah I'm like, world champion yeah that's what we're doing here we're we're driving we're all trying to be the world champion what is the, yeah yeah uh, and then like oh so so this was such a brutal post race yeah. interview process uh, he just literally like. He's like, ah, oh, you're the world champion. Uh, so how does it feel to be the world? And then like as the speaker system in the whole, like the whole track paddock and like the paddock and like the track system picks it up, like the celebration starts on a delay. So like Max gets the news and kind of like you see him processing it and he's like, um, I, okay. Oh, and then like sees the celebration. And then you just hear Johnny Herbert like up, oh, up oh, and we've lost him to the celebrations. And okay. Uh, uh. Okay, well, I guess let's interview the other two drivers while the celebration is still happening. Like, the crowd yeah. is freaking out. They're doing the split screen showing Kelly PK, like, on her phone, probably calling her dad uh, at that point, being like, hey, you know how you're not allowed to come to the paddock anymore because you're a racist homophobe? Well, your potential future son-in-law <laughs> just, won, just won the world championship. Yeah, like, it was such a, like, like they lingered on Kelly PK's face while... They're like interviewing Checo. Yeah. And then they interview Charles as like Checo goes over and like starts to join the celebrations. And Charles is just like, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just like doing like a very typical, like that was the thing that really like messed me up too in that process was how procedural that was from Charles during the post race interview. Like he, you didn't see any emotion on his face. It was as if it was just the end of another race. Like, meanwhile, quite literally, like we're watching Max become back-to-back world champions and like Red Bull's freaking out. And he's just like, you know, we just really got to show up next week and correct these mistakes. (laughs) It's like, but buddy, um, maybe just hand the microphone back and like walk away. Um, I I mean, I'm a poor sport, so I probably would have literally done that. Been like, what are you even doing, Johnny? Just go and talk to them. Like, I got to go figure out this um, (laughs) scenario. I also, I also fully last week I was like, in like the episode uh, description, I was like, oh yeah, uh, seems like uh, uh, Ferrari left uh, Pagliacci in Italy, like they they left him back in uh, back mm-hmm. back in his home territory. Uh, turns out, um, I think much like John, uh, maybe maybe Pagliacci had some COVID and he just took last week off, uh, but he showed back up. He showed back up big time this 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 week uh to what was what was the big pagliacci move of uh of the week i mean for, for scuderia pagliacci aka pagliacci the the sad crying clown that is ferrari i mean i'd say it's the immediate uh retirement of carlos Sainz 
at the start of the race, like the immediate yep. retirement, like uh, him crashing, which like sucks. It was not his fault. He aquaplaned. It was whatever. Like it, it was a bad situation. I'm glad. I mean, we'll circle back to that whole scenario, but like that was bad and it sucks. But I think that was Pagliacci like being like, uh, like, like peeking out from behind the curtain being like, do I, is it my time to come on? And they're like, no, 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 stay. No, 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 no. We'll call you up at the appropriate time. And Pagliacci is like back on, like, he's in the wings. He's waiting. He's like, are they going to like, they want me, right? They like really want me. Uh, and then like, he sees the timer of the race, like going all the way down. And he's like, man, am I not going to be able to show up? Like what's going on? And at that moment, Charles passes the pit lane, tips up his visor and winks at Pagliacci and puts it back down. And then hands the world driver championship to max on the last turn of the race by going offline and just doing like the one thing he did not need to do which he could have just like planted his car like he could have Ah, there's just so many things, but Charles became Pagliacci uh, at the very end I like, of this. I like how like, you've uh, positioned it as though, though Pagliacci is like the Ferrari's Grim Reaper that's just like constantly <laughs> yeah. watching and waiting, <laughs> waiting for its moment, waiting for its opportunity to step in. That's <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. that's amazing. So, uh, all right, uh, one last thing that falls into the category of FIA: get your house in order. Um, following mm-hmm. uh Carlitos off <sighs> and uh sending out you know the safety yeah. car and whatnot they apparently while the cars were out on track with almost zero visibility they brought a uh a yep. crane a crane truck like a tractor basically out onto the track it even had wheels on the racing surface to help clear yep uh Carlos Sainz car while other drivers were still even like coming to terms with being under a safety car and yep. also still having exceptionally limited visibility in these conditions and was, you know, just terrifying. And of course, at all places for it to be Suzuka, where Jules Bianchi yeah. yep. was put into a coma that he never came out of. Uh, by hitting a piece yep. of uh, uh, you know equipment that was there to remove another car from from the track, uh, pretty disgraceful stuff. Now I'm not, I, yeah. I can't say for certain that this falls uh, directly at the feet of the FIA. There may be things that are happening with you know the local track organizers and crew and how they operate yes. and where they choose to to make these calls. But I would think that uh, the FIA has to hold some responsibility, if not all of it, in controlling these procedures and how how this sort yeah. of thing happens, especially given the conditions. Given the conditions, given the fact that like the conditions, the circuit itself, uh, the scenario itself was the equipment was on track to remove a car that had gone off because of poor visibility and poor conditions when Jules hit it. And went into that coma. And the reason that tractor was on that course was to remove a car that had gone off due to poor conditions. So it was, I mean, it was the exact same scenario. And in addition to, in addition to this, we had Pierre Gasly, who is still driving 
who honors Jewel at the end of uh, the end of every race, at the start of every race, at the beginning of every race weekend. Uh, he he like pays tribute to his like big brother in F one who died uh, because of this, and like the Bianchi family, like Jewel's dad, like put out a message and was just like, I cannot believe there was a mm-hmm. tractor on that race course where my son was taken from me like what a disrespectful thing to have done and i again it's it's not it is the fia but it's not the fia it's the local track marshals but that's the kind of thing that you have a meeting with these people when you start these races and you like marshals have safety meetings just like drivers have safety meetings and in the driver safety meeting vettel brought up the fact like hey these are adverse conditions. I just want to make sure that like the marshals here at Suzuka, they haven't had a race in the past couple of years that they remember not to bring tractors or cranes or heavy equipment onto the track until every car is like either entering the pit lane or is going at like is behind the safety car like traveling with an awareness that the equipment's on. And this was brought up in the driver meeting by Vettel. Several people were like, Vettel brought this up and Mm -hmm. then they still did it. And so like it is on the FIA because they didn't make that crystal clear to everyone that like, we know it's going to be raining this year. We know it's that like, because of like the, the, the way that marshals work, a lot of the, the people who end up at these races are local people are people from Japan. So, and like culturally speaking, um, there is a efficiency is absolutely a thing that uh, is like embedded within uh, specifically the, the racing culture within Japan. So like the idea is, yeah, we want to get these cars cleared as quickly as possible. So like every, everyone knew that this could potentially be a problem again. And it still ended up being mm-hmm. a problem. And, and Pierre was furious that this happened so he did what people do when they're driving and they're angry he stomped on the accelerator after he saw it and the fia summoned him to the stewards because of that because he sped so that was the first response of the fia when they were like when people were like hey why was there a tractor on track and they were like hey we need to talk to pierre gasly about speeding on the track when there was a tractor on the track because you're not allowed to speed on the track on the track when there's a tractor on the track and everyone's like hey what um why was there a tractor on the track and they were like we need to talk to pierre about his bad behavior (laughs) can you just address the thing even can you even like acknowledge that this shouldn't have happened or and if this wasn't all (sighs) bad enough for pierre uh, he had Jesus. a uh, some advertising sign. Was it a Honda? What what was the ad? I I wasn't it, sure. Ma- if I, I could I couldn't make it out. Um, it was either basically a Honda from one or a Rolex. I think it may have been yeah. a Rolex one. Yeah, but I'd I'd much rather be taken out by one of those than by a crypto dot com sign. But uh, yeah, yeah. But the uh, or a Zoom sign. The, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, this, uh, one of the advertisements that was at the edge of the track where Carlos had, uh, bounced off the walls with his car, the, the piece of advertising material went straight into the middle of the track and then was stuck to the front of Pierre's car. Like, like as if yeah. like, you know, imagine something being slapped over your windshield and trying to drive forward. It's that like, was effectively. Yeah. It's like, like if your hood came up and you were driving 
in like the rain, like heavy rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were tons of other people speeding around you. And you knew that there was like, you just, <laughs> that there, yeah, uh, just there is so many like, oh, someone just went off the road. Oh, I have to drive fast. Oh my God, my hood just came up. I can't see anything. I still have to drive fast. Uh, and yeah. again, I listened to the radio rewind and like Pierre at a certain point was like, I can't see anything. I don't know where the car is in front of me. I don't know how far the car in front of me is away. Like, which mm-hmm. is like, holy shit, you're, that is, that is the scariest thing. And then there's an onboard of Vettel like pulling up. Cause after he spun, he caught back up and you can like see him like driving next to Pierre. And he's like, am I allowed to pass him? Like, he looks like he's got like an advertising board on it. Like, is this okay? And Aston's like, yeah, yeah, get by him, get by him. Um, and it's just wild to see from the perspective of another car to see like, oh yeah, Pierre can't see anything. Like there's, there's no way he can see anything at all. So, so I want to, I want to backpedal a little bit because on last week's episode, yeah. I was complaining about the delay to the start of the Singapore race due to wet conditions mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, uh, I will say, especially watching these onboard cameras and seeing how like they could see effectively almost nothing ahead of them due to the enormous, like pluming rooster tails of, of spray coming off of every other car on track. Uh, and I, I think there is a degree to which, you know, I, I do still really like the idea and the concept that these cars drive under effectively any Mm -hmm. conditions that are yeah. that are out there and that they you know part of the sport is seeing who can handle those changes of of conditions and i still think you know some of the most exciting moments in the sport have been in the wet and in the rain and and seeing For how sure. that changes things up um but i i will say it did it did seem a bit uh impossible to have a competition yes. as the conditions yes. were at the start of this race um and you know which which did ultimately result in about a, a i don't know a one hour red flag um and multiple false starts multiple like yeah. oh we're gonna get you guys back out on track actually we're pushing it back another 10 minutes uh i i watched this live um and was like oh my god i am so tired i had not slept and i was like i just want to go sleep i don't want i don't want to stay up and i'm i'm very i'm happy that i stayed up because the last 45 minutes of the race were some of the most entertaining that was it, some of the most we, entertaining driving i've we, ever seen we did yeah. get this exceptional like 45 minute sprint that included it was a sprint. that's yeah yeah some some wild stuff uh we saw mm-hmm. Uh, Vettel makes some amazing moves up through the field, uh, ultimately netting him driver of the day, including, I think the, Mm -hmm. maybe the highlight of the race, which was not shown on the broadcast. Yeah. Great job. uh, F1 directors. Um, you know, that was a little, little disappointing was seeing Vettel and Alonzo finish uh, do basically a photo finish across mm-hmm. the starting line. And it's amazing. Bless the uh, wonderfully enthusiastic yet restrained and exceptionally polite uh, Japanese fans who are there. There's this yeah. amazing footage 
uh, making the rounds on social media of of that finish being seen from the stands. And the most exuberant that you get is everybody just doing this like low guttural sort of yeah, and they cross yeah. the finish line and immediately it's just like pleasant Clapping. calm yeah, applause no, that, no that follows the crowd. I know that was what like stuck with me. It was, beautiful. Me. I was, it was like, beautiful. Oh, no one's yelling. I mean, yeah, that's again, culturally. Yeah, uh, that is, uh, uh, that is Japanese. And it was, I just, I truly love and I think that that is also part. Uh, we mentioned it last week, and and if you watch the race, especially during these moments of like stopping down or when there was like clear weather, they did such a good job of showcasing the enthusiasm of the Japanese F one fans. I mean, just the innovation of the 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 signs and the cosplay. Uh, there's just so much great great stuff that was out there. Um, I'd say the one. Thing that like it was like the most low tech but also one of the funniest things that i saw was um the guy holding the sign uh the two signs with max verstappen will be the world driver champion uh in 2022 and then in his left hand he was holding a smaller cardboard sign that says is and he kept covering up will be with is <laughs> it was just like oh 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 it was just so it was so adorable and enthusiastic and low tech and perfect that i just i loved that um but yeah that was this this weekend was so fun uh to to watch these fans do what they do best which is support every driver that's something mm-hmm. that like is said to be a thing at racetracks and John and I have both been to races and we can say that, yeah, there's definitely, there are fans of every driver at every circuit I've ever been to, but the, like just the, the spread of the fandom, like people are just fans of the sport. Like there are massive, uh, Haas fans in, in, in Japan, which is like, wow, that's wild that like, there are a bunch of people who are really, really enthusiastic about a NASCAR and American racing team that has now entered F1. Uh, just the antithesis of Japanese culture. And there's like a huge fan base of people who are like, we love this. Uh, and that's just so cool. Um, and then just everything in between from Ferrari to Alpine to Red Bull. Red Bull fans everywhere are very intense. And the Japanese Red Bull fans are, they do not disappoint. Uh, they're so enthusiastic. So many people wearing full driver kit too. Uh, yep. Oh, it's just so great. So great. Um, but we should talk, I mean, we've gotten super deep into this episode without actually talking about any of like, without really talking about the race as a whole, we're just talking about things, um, individually. But, um, yeah, I mean, we've 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 I mean, tapped I, into a bunch of the key points. What were what were some of your other favorite moments of the race, Corey? Um, I mean, I gotta say that, uh, like during lap one, that mm-hmm. that spray that kicked up after the field spread out, like that was like we had already touched on it, but that was something that really really got me. And this was brought up by George after the race. Actually, he was like, "This may be," and I I, I agree. This may be one of the drawbacks of the new designs is these the the car with the underbody aerodynamic effect, the de- deliberate kick up of this dirty air uh, above the cars that are traveling behind. If there's water, if there's spray, it's just going to mist the whole field behind. And then if you get 20 cars doing that, 
on a track that is no more than like a couple of miles long, that track's never going to dry properly. And I think that is a problem. Um, and it's a, it's a drawback I'd say. And George kind of brought this up. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me in this race was George Russell. I'm losing my enthusiasm for George Russell. Um, it's becoming more and more like, I don't know if I like the way this guy carries himself. Uh, he like when he passed Mick, I think it was Mick on like the outside and he immediately popped the radio on and complimented himself. I was, was like, dude, that was maximum, he, uh, cringe right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I haven't gone back to listen to like the context of that radio communication. If it was his engineer complimenting him, and then him responding with like, "Yeah, that was a nice move," uh, but the tone of the radio communication sounded like he just keyed the mic and said it unprompted. And yikes, that felt gross and bad. And George, you gotta not do that, buddy. Don't. George, let let other people just, celebrate you. Don't celebrate yourself. Yeah, he should just. Uh, mm -hmm. They they need to take his radio away from him. Basically, like he's just every time he's on the radio, it's uh, he's digging himself deeper. Whether it's you know complaining every time he forces somebody else off the track, or or the the previous race yeah. it was the ah Schumacher's defending like it's the race of his life. You know, and whatnot. It's like, well, then just get around them, guy. Come on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Get around them. Um, um, also, um, the another radio communication that he came through uh, was this was the worst decision we've made uh, when he was talking about like pitting because uh, they double stacked that pit uh, pit stop and he was like furious at it. And it's like, buddy. Again, this is the kind of thing that you don't use your radio for. This is the thing you have a conversation with your race engineer and your team during the debrief. But you don't you don't hop on the radio and immediately criticize the people who are your eyes and ears uh, for the Grand Prix, especially in a race that is like changing weather conditions. Like, don't be that guy. Don't be the guy who criticizes the people who are trying to help you win the race. <laughs> when like things don't go perfectly uh yeah so that th those were a couple of things that like ooh, i george george you're losing me buddy you're losing me um i want to like you more than i like let's say max verstappen and like i don't right now i like max a whole lot more than you bud um Oh, also during the press conference, it's, this was a picture that was out on social media everywhere, but Max, uh, putting his face up against the partition. Uh, did you see that yes, picture yeah. at all, John? Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, that's being God, it's, repurposed it's right so now, like crazy to describe that, you know, Christian Horner's, yeah. uh, catering budget is on the other side of the, the protective glass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, what what about, I mean, I know that there was like, the action came hot and heavy. Um, what, what stuck out to you in this race? I was really disappointed that Hamilton spent the majority of his race looking at the back of Ocon's car and that in the tricky conditions, yeah. Yeah. Um, he wasn't able to outclass what should be a lower class of driver and a much lower class of equipment. Um, 
you know, that yeah. disappointed me quite a bit. Yeah, that was that was tricky. I, I will say though, ha- Hamilton owned it and like immediately uh, was like, oh well. It really, it was, it was really tricky. Uh, we're, we're good in the corners. I have good, you know, good traction out of the corners, but then like once we get to straight line speed, the Alpine's just faster and I just couldn't keep up. There was just no, there was nothing I could do. Uh, and you saw that lap after lap that he would get so close in the corners. I mean, several times that like the hairpin was getting like right next to him at spoon corner was getting right next to him was basically on his back wing during uh when whenever Ocon would go through chicane so like but then they'd hit that straight and Ocon would just take off into the distance um and with no drs hamilton just didn't he there was no way he was ever gonna pass him I, i don't think um I kept getting my hopes up, but then was like, yeah, there's no, even if he passes him, Ocon's just going to like drop into his slipstream and pass him on the straight anyways. So it's not, there's nothing really that could have been done and that sucked, but it was the reality of it. Uh, I, I did appreciate that Hamilton didn't get overzealous. He did not get overzealous like he did when trying to pass Carlos and like outbreak himself into one of these turns like that. He learned his lesson. I mean, for all the crazy <laughs> um, conditions, there was some pretty, um, you know, careful and controlled driving, I think, happening from everybody yeah. on track. I mean, I give, I, I doff my cap to everyone for keeping, you know, their cars in one piece and and staying out of the walls and, and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, the other thing uh, was uh, Perez at like the end of the race. Uh, because Perez is like such a good driver and just doesn't really need a ton of like instruction or coaching. Uh, every once in a while he'll do these like fun little radio checks and his favorite, uh, recent one is to just key the mic and be like, are you sleeping? (laughs) Yep. Then like making his, uh, making Hugh Bird, his race engineer come back over and be like, um, yeah, no, you're just doing great, Checo. You're just doing great. I don't really have much to tell you. Just keep up the good work. <laughs> like, and like, he's like, okay. Uh, it's just such a fun little thing. Uh, and it's a great juxtaposition of, uh, with Max's communications, um, with JP, because you hear Max, like, you know, cursing and getting very aggravated and very agitated and annoyed and kind of barking orders, um, and then you've got Checo who's just like polite and kind of mild mannered and like likes to have a little fun and joke around with his engineers during the race. Um, and whenever Max jokes around about something during the race, he's like usually making fun of someone else. Uh, and it's like, mm-hmm. that's not really endearing <laughs> when you're like, Oh, that guy's driving like a lunatic. And it's like, Hey, that guy's, you know, that's Mick Schumacher. He's in a house and he's struggling. Like be, be gentle. Uh, Oh, it's great to see Mick leading the Grand Prix. That was yes. That, I loved yeah. that gamble. I loved that, that. was that was fun. A little I mean, sad that he then dropped like a boat anchor through the field uh, with the wrong tire strategy in place. And I did like that there was a gutsy move that like, hey, if a if a safety car comes out and then we change, we're super golden. He would have won the race. Would have been yeah. At least like at w- least could have been on the won podium. The race. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he would have ended up with fresh tires, low fuel, and chances are if a safety car was going to come out, it was going to be a result of one of the leaders trying to pick their way back through the field. So like that yeah. 
this was a brilliant strategy by Haas, I think. Uh, it didn't pan out, but this is the kind of thing that you see uh, Alpha Tauri did, right, when Pierre won. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, this is what you saw, not necessarily Ricardo do, but like this is what you saw Ocon do uh, when he won the, the Hungarian Grand Prix. It was just like, if you can get track position and you can get a, slightly ahead of the strategy and other teams are kind of going traditional with their strategy, you may be on the podium or win the race. And like, I, I, I again, take my hat off to Haas for, for attempting that gutsy move. It didn't pan out. And Schumacher was a, a, a total sport about it too. Like I didn't, I didn't hear him complaining. I didn't see him complaining or driving aggressively or in like any sort of like, I'm just going to get in other people's way. And like, I'm not going to honor blue flags if they show up or whatever. Like he was, he was good uh, for the rest of the race. So I loved that. I love that strategy. Um, um, great to see Alonzo. Oh yeah. Uh, kicking, kick, kicking butt. Uh, crushing it through the whole field. Yeah. Um, not just his, his neck and neck battle with Vettel at the end, but just absolutely crushing it throughout the whole weekend. Yeah. Start to finish. I mean, qualified. What did he qualify? Did he qualify sixth behind Hamilton? Yeah. Cause it was, yeah, it was Hamilton, Ocon, and then Alonzo. Yeah. It was, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, that was impressive. And quite frankly, Esteban Ocon, as much as like, uh, I, I don't, I'm not wildly impressed with him um, in any real way. Uh, he's a very, very competent driver, and he has a very good attitude uh, when he's driving. And like, he's growing on me more and more uh, as as someone, um, as a driver that I like to like watch and see succeed. You know, I think I can share that um, sentiment um, along with uh, the legendary Vettel making his farewell to the Suzuka circuit. Uh, there was yeah. one other legend who left a very memorable mark on the sport on, uh, I believe it was during the first or second practice session, um, which was Gotifi, Nicholas Latifi mm-hmm. managed to, during a practice session, effectively get fully lost on the track, uh, literally, yeah. Yeah. Uh, turned off the track onto an escape road thinking it was a active corner on the track, uh, and immediately started blurting out, you know, confusion into his radio sounding as though he was somehow blaming the car so, something, so, for something, something's wrong. So something weird with the car. Yeah. Like <laughs> I think it was literally something weird with the car was like his like excuse and never, and they're like, okay. Like, there's no, no, I mean, I think you're okay. And he was like, "Hmm, sure, whatever. Um, He he knows his days with the sport are limited and he wanted to, you know, leave us with a few final impressions. I, I, I can't wait to see what else he has in store for us before the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's left his indelible mark on so many races, on so many sessions. Oh, I can't, I'm trying to remember what, what commentator it was, but they were like, oh, it's wild that Nicholas Latifi was able to successfully navigate the like dozens of different track layouts at Paul Ricard with no problem whatsoever. And then gets turned around on 
one of the most like uh memorable and like famous circuits on on the f1 calendar and it's just such a but like as someone who's like played a few games uh and not ever done like racing simulations but i've like played a bunch of games that i've driven cars on that track like as someone who's like only experienced it through a video game console uh or on my phone or watching other people drive it like i am very familiar with that track so the fact that nicholas latifi is not familiar enough <laughs> to even make it all the way around it is like jesus am i could i be a better like could i be a better driver than nicholas latifi and the answer to that is yeah, I just got to get my in shape, and I, I definitely could be. This is what the best drivers do, Corey. They inspire the fans. This is true. This Thank is true, you, Nicholas. Yeah. Uh, he's he's he was the uh, the footprints in the sand. He was carrying me uh, the whole time. Uh, was was what that was. Oh, oh yeah. Was there anything else that was that like stuck out to you? I know that the end of the race was just. Uh, like fever pitched with action uh did anything else stick out to you um during during those the effect of the the sprint race did anything else stick out to you during the sprint race today i mean it was it was just fun watching the the broadcast director struggle to keep up with all the battles and i've never seen that little like they'll open up the picture in picture window to show another battle like tucked into the leaderboard on the left-hand side of the screen. And uh, I've never yeah. seen myself like darting my eyes back and forth between that and the main featured action. Uh, so, so much pretty, pretty wild yeah. stuff. I mean, I just, I, I really, I loved, I love this circuit. I love this. I loved this race. I wish it was longer. Mm -hmm. I wish that the FIA hadn't allowed uh, the tractor to have ever ended up on track i wish that like that was that was banged into the mar the, the marshal's heads enough where they just didn't instinctively bring a tractor out onto the circuit while cars were still going at speed um I, I, oh there was also i caught this in like a random replay there was as they were removing the vehicle and the cars were still going around right as the race was red flagged. Uh, there was a marshal who had to tuck in off of the racing line because he was trying to like manipulate the front wing of Sainz's car and like doing like the holding on to like the strap and like oh, cars went by and he had to like get off the track. Like, so not only was there a tractor on the circuit, but there was a marshal on the circuit as well. Like that's the other thing that was like, holy shit! What are you? What are y'all doing? What are you doing? Ugh. Yeah, so that was that was upsetting. I don't want, I don't want Ferrari's protest to affect the World Drivers Championship this year. I think that like this should be put to bed. I think the way that. That yeah, I don't see any point in even like, trying enough to, of the awkwardness. Yeah, where he's going to walk away with it, you know, this race or the race after or the race after that. Yeah. Like it's not there's no there's no point. And besides, we already went through. I mean, uh And the they all max, said that. To to me the pinnacle to put 
a awkward cherry on top of this awkward ice cream sundae that was the end of the race yes. and Max Verstappen being given the championship yes. is that in the cool they're in the cool down room and they're all making sense of it with each other. Max is even still arguing with someone to be like, well, wait, am I the champion or am I not? Because different people are telling me different things, whatever. And then all of a sudden someone comes over and says, Hold on, Max. You shouldn't be here talking to the other guys on the podium. Mm-hmm. Do you see what this sign on the door says? There's a door and it says reserved for world champion. And they open it up and they go, you, sir, get to go in here. And it was like the the tiny little like television filled torture chamber from that Black Mirror episode. But it had a had like a, a throne. I, John, that is like exactly chair. what I thought it was, too. <laughs> Yes, and it was basically like what I mean. I was like, oh, this is instead of conversing with your fellow drivers, sit on this weird throne like chair that has a, a bearskin, uh, you know, blanket thrown across it and stare at the race, you know, uh, being replayed on a 200 inch television that is like 36 inches away from your nose and uh, just sit yeah. here and we're just going to watch you awkwardly you know, soak it in while you're trying to figure out God. what the hell is going on. And then to, to get himself out of that they're like they have the mics are hot. The cameras are watching him. And uh, he like turns to the, the FIA representative, like off camera. And he's like, I'm feeling a bit lonely in here. And then he just walks back into the cool down room. <laughs> it was so great. I was like, yes, yes, Max, don't stay in that room. That is weird. That is absolutely the move to do to be like, I'm not staying in here. I'm lonely. Those are my friends. I, those are my fellow warriors I was just on track with. Like, I want to do the thing where like, I go and like talk to my mates for a minute and like figure out what happened yeah. and not sit here staring at like unnecessary highlights that, that I that are that quite be a punishment that should in the room be like directly next to me they should set that up for if yes. there is a post-race penalty that's still being decided that the driver should be like locked that's in the room watching the yeah and and just watching the replay of the incident over and over again they're gonna be like nope nope <laughs> that, don't like, say anything yet you have stupor. to stay in here watching the incident on yes. loop for another five minutes and then you come out and tell us what you think and like the super slow motion camera uh, of watching him like slide over those curbs and then just go across mm-hmm. the AstroTurf and being like, do you see right there, right there where you, where you corrected and then went straight and got back on the, that's, that's why you're sitting here. You get no water, you get no towels, you get no anything. <laughs> you just have to watch you, your cup. God, so good. So good. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. That, so it was, it was it was more of like there's a laugh that I give, and uh, I have. Everyone has many different laughs, and as someone who's in the business of laughter, I have been called out for a very specific laugh that I have, which is a laugh where I am taking pleasure in someone else's pain or like their ineptitude or their attempt at something that has fallen short. And that is the laugh. I'm going to pull the mic away from my face uh, so it doesn't blow anything. I'll go. (laughs) And that is exactly what I did when I saw Charles go. I was like, that's it. You just did it. I just watched you do the thing that is going to hand the championship to Max. And like he was already going to win it. You just served it to him on a silver platter of awkwardness. And there was no reason for it. But here we are. And 
I could. And then when the penalty finally came through, I let out another one of those laughs because I was like, yep, this is it. This is I'm laughing at Ferrari for being just the exact version of themselves. We have all come to expect them to be. Uh, It was brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant display of, I guess, Schoiden, right? Schoidenfraud? That would be, mm-hmm. that's like my Schoidenfraud laugh. Uh, was, yeah, watching other people fail and taking pleasure in it. Uh, all right. Well, I know this is, we talked quite a bit today, John, about a race that was very short. Uh, but there's a lot on the peripherals of this race. There is uh, a lot, and there's going to continue to be... You- there's going to continue to be some stuff happening on the peripheral of this race. And I've got a feeling, uh, so next week when we record again, we will not have a race to discuss, but I'm pretty certain we'll have more fallout from the cost cap investigation that we'll be discussing and, uh, and touching on. Uh, so I think there'll be, yeah, there'll be a lot, a lot more digging to do there, but yeah, in general, uh, Corey, I think you already touched on this, you know, as far as did the race raise the stock, uh, in, in the United States this week? Um, I think again, I think it, it, we're, we're shifting from stocks to stonks. Uh, we've, we've gone full GameStop. We've gone full Robin hood app, shutting down, uh, trading to preserve the integrity of uh, the the manipulated financial market. Um, we've got F one doing that as well, just being like, we're gonna we're gonna make this weird race a little bit. You're gonna talk more about the way we delivered the drivers' championship and the way we started the race than the fact that we put a goddamn tractor on the circuit while cars were circulating at speed on a track where we've had our most recent fatality in formula one so like i think the show the show the show didn't jump the shark but it's feeling like it's getting real close to jumping the shark uh we are dangerously close to satirizing our own sport, uh and it's the governing body in the sport itself that is um making making a mockery uh of (laughs) of f1 and i I'll watch. I'll absolutely watch because it's also, again, more Scheudenfraud of like, hmm, I'm going to laugh at F1's ineptitude. Uh, I'll still watch it and still pay money into the system, but uh, it's entertaining as hell. Um, What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I think the, I I think you're right. The sensational aspects of it are continuing to increase the stock. And there is part of me that's just like, yeah, more, more power to it. If it gets more, more eyeballs Mm -hmm. on the sport, you know. Um, it'll be, it'll be the yeah. super diehard fans like us on the, on the more extreme edges that are freaking out about bizarre aspects of the politics of the sport and whatnot. Whereas others will just show up to watch fast cars go zoom, zoom. Um, the, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do mm-hmm. think, you know, as you've implied, we are on a trajectory for the sport to, I think, I think we're going to see the sport get even more sensationalized than it is currently possibly yeah. peaking and then having a steep f- cliff of a fall off uh, at next year's yeah. Las Vegas Grand Prix where the, you know, yeah. the, the cars will jump through flaming hoops and uh, there will yeah, be yeah, uh, Cirque, dir- Cirque, Cirque de Soleil style uh, yeah, finish. Dur- during Q2, there will be tigers <laughs> let out on the track. 
Um, <laughs> it'll be yeah. Yep. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting tigers instead oh, of speaking, marshals. Speaking of, there is yeah. uh, like today or tomorrow or Wednesday. There's going to be some sort of big F1 event in Las Vegas where I think all the teams are going to be there. Mm. And they're just going to do like mm-hmm. a demo and like they're going to run the cars on the strip and and whatnot and just kind of do a yeah kind of put on a little show there. So we'll we'll unpack that uh, next week. Uh, we'll also, we did promise a new segment, but this week was just too, there was too much to talk about to, to get to that segment. So I promise that that new segment is coming next week. We're going to continue to tease it. Um, and, uh, yeah. So John, let's, uh, let's tell the folks out there where they can, uh, where they can find you online. Uh, you can find me hanging out mostly on Twitter via my handle, Johnny Motion, talking about uh, the silly stuff that I get up to between Formula One, uh, automotive in general, and and the worlds of technology and film and where those things collide. Corey, where can the folks find you? Uh, catch me on Twitter as well. I am Burn Corey Burn. I'm also on Instagram at that handle and TikTok. And we've got the F1 Files Twitter account and uh, the F1 Files on Reddit. So y'all can tap into the madness uh, via any of those handles and uh, we'll we'll chat it up with you. Um, yeah, Johnny. Well, I guess there's nothing really else to say other than uh, we'll catch up with you the next time and you will catch up with us the next time on the f1 files Dunsky. Boom.